0: Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. Here we are. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, White Sox pitching prospects tonight, and I'm hoping that uh, I can get some video here going of uh, Dan, but uh, we are joined by Dan Victor, uh, who is the newest uh, person to come over to uh, White Sox Daily, and you might have seen uh, a couple of Real nice pieces uh, that he wrote um, about two of the guys that we're probably going to be talking about later on tonight. Uh, how you doing, Dan? I'm doing
1: great, Ian. How are you, buddy?
0: <laughs> I'll be doing better when uh, all this uh, internet stuff just fixes itself. There we go. Finally got something. So uh, you're on the road um, in your uh, basically in your second home, uh, spending some time in some hotels. How's that going?
1: Ah, uh, wonderful man! I'm a I'm a road warrior. I'm over at uh, Hartsville, South Carolina, which is the home of uh, Coker College, which was once the home of uh, Tyler Osik, the uh, catcher slash first baseman slash designated hitter for the uh, Winston Salem Dash. Yeah, we've
0: seen some nice uh, Twitter footage of him uh, working out, and things are you know he's his swing's looking pretty nice, and he's hitting the ball with some authority out there. So. I'm hoping that, uh, we see him come back to, uh, you know, start raking when he gets back.
1: He's a very good hitter. I was surprised. He had a lot of health trouble last year. This year he'll, he'll be great.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's hoping, uh, the swing looks good. So, you know, I can't imagine, uh, you know, I've seen him hit before and the guy can hit, so I don't see, I don't see what would stop him. Um, so, we're here today to talk about White Sox pitching in the minor league system. Um, you spend about, I you spend more time than anybody else I know at White Sox minor league team, uh, minor league stadiums and games, uh, talking to the guys, watching, and uh, basically scouting. You know everybody that's down there, and uh, so really, ha- you know, I'm really happy that you decided to come on tonight and that we get some time to uh, to talk about this whole thing. And um, I guess uh, we'll start with the guy that nobody has really seen. Um, Just to get it out of the way. And everybody's, not everybody, but uh, he's been mentioned by quite a few people and generally in the uh, top three to, you know, one through five. And that's Norhe Vera. Um, White Sox signed him out of uh, Cuba. And um, he signed and he was throwing 92 miles an hour-ish. And uh, he signs and then lo and behold, now he's throwing... 97 98 99 and uh i'm excited to see him uh what do you think uh what do you where do you think he ends up this year
1: i think he will likely start at a well he's going to start at a full season affiliate i would think it'll probably be cannapolis maybe on the outside chance winston i guess it all is predicated by spring training and what the coaching staff thinks of what they see um to me, it looks like the Cannapolis um, pitching staff is going to have a lot of holdovers from last year. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see uh, Thompson, Kelly, and Dahlquist back there at least to start the season. Um, so there are only a handful of options in that rotation if those three end up returning.
0: So, I, I mean, really, if you look at the box scores for the DSL for last year— there was not a whole lot of pitching going on by pretty much anybody. So, I mean, there's only really a couple of guys. uh, There's a couple of relievers that had uh, whips in the the one-ish area, you know, like the 1.1 area. So those guys, and, and, you know, they're both 19 years old, so, I mean, they could have some growing to do and uh, filling out and whatever. Um, But, you know, then again, nobody gets to see any of these guys. So it's kind of like uh, every year you get like a, a couple of little presents dropped in your lap and you don't know what you're going to get. And um, I think we'll probably, you know, obviously we're going to see Vera, uh, you know, barring anything stupid. Um, but uh, we're looking at Vera coming over and I'm not entirely convinced that any of the other guys are going to move over this year from the uh, the pitching ranks. I
1: think Thanks. you're probably right. Um Someone explained it to me as looking at the uh, DSL. They said first follow the money, and then look at it as more of a pass/fail than look at the box scores and statistics. Um, you know, obviously they spent money on on Vera. He's got the the lineage because his father was a very respected uh, Cuban pitcher. Um, and the box scores definitely say that he passed with the with a very good. Uh, good numbers. I mean, struck out everybody and uh, his ERA was zero. So, uh, I guess there's a lot to look forward to, but he was, you know, 21 and pitching against a lot of high school uh, age kids. So he was, you know, probably way too good for that level.
0: Yeah. That's the thing that kind of scares you is that, uh, you know, not that I'm afraid that he's not going to come over and still be able to get guys out. I mean, the guy averaged, uh, just above eight pitches per inning. um, But the, you know, the thing that gives you pause is the, uh, um, you know, just the fact that he's been pitching against young kids, you know, for the most part, you know, most of these guys, none of them are over 18, 19 years old. And, uh, despite, you know, the 34 strikeouts and five walks, which is fantastic, um, there's still a, a little bit of a uh, bit of apprehension for knowing what you're actually going to get. So I understand some people not ranking him, at, you know, at number one. Um, but uh, things are looking pretty good there. I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked to to see him uh, this year. So, um, so if you think he's going to Canapolis, I guess that's a, probably a, a great place to start. Is um, the Cannonballers. Um, we had last year, we had the, uh, the three prep guys, Thompson, Delquist and Kelly and, um, the defense down there and, uh, issues with command, you know, that could be expected after having basically a, an entire year off, uh, from competitive baseball, um, amounted to some problems down there for him, uh, yeah, some, some, very short, uh, some very short outings and uh, you know, just some rough times out there. Um, what are you thinking that we're going to see this year from that trio?
1: I think that, obviously, I think they're going to all take a step forward. I'm highest probably on Matthew Thompson. Um, I like the body. He's got a lot of projectability. He's got a really wiry frame where he can add some weight um he's super athletic he's uh he's got a really free and easy throwing motion it's not high stress it's uh, and he's got a nice curveball and he throws his fastball in the mid 90s i mean he sits in the mid 90s so i i really like him a lot i also like his uh his mental makeup when he gets i mean they they all three of them got took their share of lumps they got pounded around um everybody's ERA was over five. Um, Nobody was throwing a whole lot of strikes. Thompson had the most strike percentage, 61. I think Kelly had 56, and I think Drew Dahlquist had 58%. Um, So, you know, in spite of all the beatings that they took, um, I thought that Thompson was very uh, level-headed and even-keeled about everything. And that bodes well, because, you know, baseball is a game of failure. You are going to you're gonna take your share of lumps, and if you wear it on your collar all the time, it's gonna to be tough to recover from. You know, you're thinking about the last time when you're out on the mound this time. So uh, I, I like everything about Matthew Thompson and I think he's gonna have a great year. Um presently I thought the most varied uh, arsenal, the best pitch mix was dalquist Um when he was on, he could throw everything look sharp. Um, But he had a ton of really high pitch counts, which led to short outings, which led to, you know, uh, the early hook. Um, But he also seems to maybe get a little bit uh, hung up on the results. And I think maybe, uh, you know, sometimes those guys that are the one percenters, you know, the hard workers, they they let uh, things bottle up inside of them and they take success very poorly. And I don't want, uh, you know, those guys to – to let that happen to them one thing you know when we had connor pilkington down at cannapolis i thought he had this level of almost inference about how he was doing and it always drove me crazy i was like man he seems like he doesn't care but uh it wasn't it ended up being a very good thing for him um because uh, in the long run you know like i said it's a game of failure and if you uh you get hit hard and you're able to walk away and forget about it and think about you know something else he's a hunter and a fisherman and whatnot and, and he has a uh, varied interest and i always was like man this guy you know everybody else is showing uh, videos on their instagram of them pitching in the gym and he's got duck hunting videos but uh <laughs> you know what the guy is uh he's really shown a lot i mean look what he did last year double a in cleveland and uh you know he's on the brink of a major league call-up and i was really really wrong you know Maybe, uh, we overstate the importance of the, the one percenters and, you know, maybe a guy that, uh, can take it more in stride when things aren't going well, it bodes well for the long term.
0: Yeah. The, the, uh, the Pilkington trade, that one got me, um, uh, not going to lie. Uh, I said that they were going to draft him. They did draft him. I was stoked on it. Uh, you know, I watched him, uh, throw some games, uh, in the NCAA and, uh, love the guy the guy was always seemed to be uh fired up and uh but you know i've seen him yell it at hitters before and then he comes to uh the white Sox organization and not so much not so much of that a lot more uh you know reined in and uh that one kind of bummed me out uh on the on the trio of uh the prep guys that are with us now um I have to say, the uh, the, the Dahlquist uh, pitch mix that you mentioned, um, that, I, I really like his pitch mix. That's one of my, uh, as far as those guys go, just when he's on, he's fantastic. Uh, it's just the consistency bit of it that we've seen so far that, uh, that I'm looking to see him put together, you know?
1: Um, right, and then... The- as far as, in terms of, you know, raw power, of course, Kelly has the edge there. You know, you can't really teach 98, and he can throw it with consistency. Um, he had two, two separate times he was on the uh, injured list last year. You know, spent some time in Arizona. Um, it was it was another lost year for the poor, poor kid, you know. and uh, But he definitely throws hard, and he has, you know, an advanced changeup for a prep draftee and that is unusual for those guys to develop a, a change up because you know when you're in high school and you can throw that hard you don't need to change up that's the only chance they have of catching up to anything so the fact that he had that going for him i think that bodes well as well um he got a lot of knocks on his body you know people said that he was heavy um to be honest you know i've seen him in street clothes and he doesn't look heavy he's a thick kid and maybe there's not a, loom, a lot of room for, for projection per se but uh he he looks pretty well put together i think it's an unfair knock
0: yeah i mean there's 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 all you know there's from from fan bases there's always uh, uh a pretty good dose of body shaming. You know, if somebody shows up and uh, somebody doesn't think that uh, they look in the best shape of their life, you know, quote unquote, that everybody does for uh, spring training, um, you're going to see it all over Twitter. You're going to see it all over social media. And it's, it is unfortunate. uh, You know, my, my best interest, you know, is if they pitch well and uh, you know, what their uh, what their physique looks like—that's that's what that's what it is, you know. So moving along, um, so you've written uh, on the the guys that showed up late, the mm-hmm. draft class of twenty twenty one. You've put out uh, two pieces on White Sox Daily uh, about Gil Luna Jr. and Sean Burke, and. Um, I assume that those are a couple of guys that are on your list for uh, for watching this year.
1: Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I was uh, really impressed with with Sean Burke and and Luna Junior. Uh, Luna, particularly because the fact you know she was uh, he was not a, a heralded draft pick. You know he went I believe tenth round, ten k signing bonus. But uh, you know one thing that always piques my interest about guys is a. Uh, they're scouting. When I see John Kazanis next to their name, I always have a, a special feeling about a guy. After all, you know he's the guy who found Mark Burley, and uh, and got Mark Burley in the thirty what 37 round, something like that. Um, and Luna's another you know left-handed guy, so uh, that always piques my interest. And uh, you know he came, he went to uh, rookie league, put up uh, zeros, went to Canapolis, put up more zeros. And then went to the uh, instructional league afterwards, and uh, fall instructs and put up more zeros. Um, dominated every step of the way. The kid has got an unbelievably good pickoff move, you know. And you would say, who cares about a pickoff move? But it keeps the runners on it, so it helps you uh, keep the you know keep them on base because they're afraid to to move on you. And it, you know, it gets you a free out when you can do it well. And it also means that the guy pays attention to detail and coaching and the uh, you know and the fundamentals. He's got all that going for him, and he's a lefty that can bring it at 96. So, um, I'm kind of excited to see what uh, what Luna can do. Now, with Burke, Burke is really a, a special athlete. This kid was a unbelievably gifted high school basketball player. You know, he was a varsity uh, letter kid all four years. Um, you know, if you go on his Twitter feed, you can see highlight films of him dunking and. Alley oops, and all kinds of uh, triple doubles. The kid was really—he's an athlete. He's an athlete first, and a pitcher second. Um, he said that he really enjoyed basketball, but he knew that his uh, his future was going to be on the pitcher's mound, so he you know switched to to playing. He didn't consider playing any kind of college basketball, but he was very very talented. That's another kid as well that um he has a really great mental makeup. He seems to be extremely well grounded. Um, doesn't seem to let things bother him. You know, he's got the perfect pitcher's body that you can, you know, dream on. You know, he's 6'6", 240 pounds. He's extremely well put together, and uh, he throws hard. He's got a good curve. There's a lot a lot going for him. The only uh, hiccup he ever had was sometimes uh, command issues, but as I wrote in the article, you know, he was one year removed from from Tommy John, and they always say that command is the last thing to come back. Now that he's, you know, focused on a future in baseball, and I think it's gonna, um, I think it's gonna go well for him this year. And I think he's very likely to start in Winston Salem. But you know, when I talked to him for that article, he said that he wants to be ready to pitch in the major leagues. And I mean, I know everybody says that, but I, he sounded sincere, like he really thinks that if he um, puts it all together he has the stuff to uh, move quickly. And I think that he, I'm not going to argue with the kid because I think he does too.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you say that he's got the, uh, the you know, the the prototypical pitcher's body, I mean, he really does. The unfortunate bit about that is that when you say that he's got that body, he's got that body. And when you get, uh, you know, a frame like that, you know, six foot six, getting everything aligned after, especially after, you know, TJ, um, I, I wouldn't know because I'm not six six, but I have to imagine that it's pretty difficult to uh, to get all those uh, things in order. You know, in order to get your uh, your rhythm back with that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, for, if you look in history, longer levered pitchers always have a seem to have a little bit more of a a learning curve, a little bit more of a developmental path. takes a little bit longer to get things ironed out from a command standpoint. But he's got all the stuff to make it work.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh moving along here on the uh on the thing w- another guy that uh that I was uh interested in just because of the last name and you didn't hear anything about him uh Seamus. um Oh yeah, he came last year uh you know also in the draft and uh he looked uh, you know he made it through uh the uh ACL and got sent to Kanapolis, and he looked like he had some things going on as well. Uh, what, do you have anything on, uh, on Cole?
1: You know what? Toward the end, because I'm a road warrior, I'm not always home. So I missed a lot of games toward the end of the year because I was at a project in South Carolina near Greenville and, uh, I didn't catch him. I don't believe I caught him at all. Um, I did hear some good things about him from, uh, some of the people that you know go to the games with me but i don't have any uh any eyewitness stuff to tell you about seems i can tell you that that bullpen was loaded with potential though Mm -hmm. um we had theo denlinger there he was throwing 97 98 we had zach cable and that kid can throw it he can throw it hard another one 99 100 um you know if they can put things together command wise they could go a long way. And uh, and we also had, you know, the closer from uh, Mississippi State, the kid that uh, ended up going to Winston-Salem uh, at the end of the year. He did quite well. I have to Google him, though. I <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a lot of names to
1: remember, so I get it. Um, yeah, we were loaded. I mean, that team started off so terrible, you know, with all the young kids at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, when we got the, the infusion from the uh, draft – you know, all those relievers and you know, the college kids coming in and uh Hackenberg and all those guys coming in, it made a huge difference. We finished on a on a strong note and it was a lot more uh, fun to watch the games at the end of the yeah. season.
0: Yeah, me and uh, my son went down for a, a game down in Canapolis and I I did see Cole Seamus pitch and he had a had a great inning and um but uh yeah, the uh the Gusenberg uh Hackenberg connection uh when they came up it was like a a definite spark in the lineup and definitely pushed those guys up a little bit. It was it was uh nice to see because that the first uh about the first month of the season last last year in Canapolis was a little rough starting off. Uh way too a little. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I I don't know what they expect though. You know, I mean, when they took away Great Falls, uh, we've had this conversation. You know, n- obviously not on stream, but we've had this conversation before about uh, you know the fact that uh, Great Falls got taken away, and it's just another step in development that uh, these guys don't have just because they decided to take it away. So,
1: and because up. of the COVID they had to make up for lost reps by over promoting guys you know to get them out there you know playing baseball and unfortunately you know it was a really really young team they had uh yeah they took took some monumental beatings but uh you know when we got the college kids it got a lot better and, and don't forget we got brooks Goswine too from uh from bradley yeah and he's, he's solid as well he kind of. um he's got potential just uh, just like chase Seleski, uh, from the kid from tulane that was uh, at the beginning of the year he was with them and he moved up to winston you know everybody you know was hyped about the college or the high school kids rather but Seleski uh, was you know he was the day to day guy that you knew was going to keep you in the ball game because he was a really polished college pitcher and he was also a good influence for the young guys cuz he's you know played at a higher level and you know, showed them the ropes a little bit. Um, so
0: speaking of uh, promotions, uh, Winston-Salem Dash. Um, so who do you think, uh, do you think that anybody, uh, possibly I would think Burke is going to get bumped? Um, do you think anybody else uh, other than uh, possibly a couple of the, the relief pitchers is going to And uh, uh, you know, Off the bat, at least, end up in uh, Winston Salem?
1: Yeah, I would think Sean Burke, uh, Brooks Goswine, and then probably some of the older relievers, you know, Denlinger, um, Luna, Cable. There's a lot of options there. It should be, and that, that team was also pretty rough last year, and they should be infinitely better with all these guys moving up.
0: Yeah. The White Sox minor league experience last year was very, very hit or miss and mostly miss. If you weren't watching the barons last year you were having a you were more than likely having a a rough time for uh stretches and uh but you know development is not linear as they say so <laughs> um all right so uh moving on to so, to uh winston salem um who are the guys that uh who are, who are the starters that you have your eye on uh to watch this this season
1: I can't really think of any that I that are really on my radar over there um McKinley Moore but you know he's out of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, he's got a dynamic arm, big power reliever. Um I think that he has definitely a legitimate shot but uh I can't think of anybody other than you know uh, Bailey Horn looked really good but <laughs> then he moved on. He moved yeah. down to the top. um but yeah, as far as starters go I'm kind of at a loss for uh anybody that's really on my radar there.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see what uh what they do. Um I mean there's a there's a couple of you know, there's a couple of starter arms there that could possibly be something. Um but, you know, last season was not a uh not something to write home about uh from the starting pitching. Um but yeah, I'm hundred percent uh on board with the McKinley Moore train. Um one of uh, one of my guys that I'm definitely keeping an eye on this year. Um, there's, uh, I know that there, you know there there are a couple of guys there. Uh, we had Luke Schilling there as well, and you know Tommy John there. Um, so if we're lucky, you know we're going to see him uh, start to do you know uh, some rehab innings in like what September or so.
1: He's, he's hardcore man. That kid he has a work ethic off the chain. He has a chip on his shoulder where he wants to prove people wrong.'t he he wants to he wants people to doubt him just so he can stick it in their face at the end of the day. Um, and his analytics are off the charts for his, for his pitches. He's, he's nasty. Um, the only thing that's ever gotten in his way was health and you know sometimes command and I think some of the command is probably related to health. Um but if he if he can make it back, he looks like a legit late inning relief option at some point in time. He absolutely does. Um he was
0: he uh w- and if you follow White Sox Daily at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh you saw quite a few uh tweets about uh Mr. Sh- uh Sh- what was it, Shill Pickle, I think was his uh his Twitter name. So uh yeah, so um I guess we might as, well, might as well just go ahead and, and move to, uh, to Birmingham. Um, there was a lot of positive things in Birmingham last year. Uh, the stretch run to the playoffs was not one of them, uh, but I would say that uh, there, was a, there were a lot of uh, positive um, success stories from Birmingham last season. Um, starters from Birmingham, not named Connor Pilkington, who are you looking at?
1: Uh, Jason Billis was really solid when he was at Canapolis in 2019. Uh, he was a hard throwing. He started as a hard throwing reliever. Uh, they moved him to the starting rotation. Um, he had some really wonky command issues in college, um, but he seemed to have tamed the beast in in Low A and in Double A. If you watch his games, his breaking stuff has it has really special movement. It's very sharp. Um, he wasn't throwing as hard as I remember in Kanapolis. he was throwing, uh, more lower nineties than he was. He was consistent 96. And he told me that, you know, he could get it up to a hundred in college or at least touch in the high nineties. Um, so I have a lot of favorable things uh, thoughts about him and they put him on the 40 man. So the white Sox obviously have some favorable thoughts about him as well. You know, even if he doesn't make it as a starter, he could be another, you know, there's nothing exciting about relief pitching when you talk prospects, you know, it's the least glamorous place to be, but, uh, you know, last year, I remember when, you know, the Sox toward the end of the season, that was what we really desperately needed was bullpen help, and, you know, that's why they went and traded Madrigal and got Kimbrel, so, even though it's not, you know, you don't often see a top 100 prospects that are relief guys or relief only guys, you know, it's definitely, it was a need at the big league level last year. And, uh, that seems to be a strength in our pitching in the minors is, uh, relief pitchers.
0: Yeah. That's one thing that the white Sox really, really do well is relief pitching. Uh, there's never, you know, I know that there is the, uh, the Jose Ruizes of the world, you know, where white Sox fans feel like, uh, he's, you know, that the person's being kept on the, uh, the roster to, uh, torture them. But, uh, you know, just historically speaking, you know, you look through the, uh, the minor league system and they do produce some really good bullpen arms. Um, a guy that you and I were, uh, talking about, uh, earlier this, uh, earlier this week, um, Declan Cronin.
1: Declan Cronin was a, a late round pick, um, He's a, quite a success story. He's going to Tread Athletics in the off season, and they showed some video of him, and he's got his uh, sinker working. He's got some nasty movement, and he's throwing at 96. Um, and the Tread coach told me that he thinks Declan's going to have a big, big breakout year, and it's a good thing because if he's a AAA, he needs to keep that ball low and keep it hitting into the dirt because uh, if you elevate anything over it, Charlotte it's going to leave the ballpark more often than not. Yeah,
0: going to end up on Mint Street more more than likely. Um, I happened to catch the uh, the Lane Ramsey uh, tweet uh, a video uh, uh, of him on Twitter at uh, at Tread as well, and um, from seeing what those guys are doing over there at Tread. Uh, it seems like they have something going on over there that is, uh, not usual. Um, it seems like all those guys are getting a couple mile per hour bump and it looks like their movement is also, uh, picking up a little bit. Uh, th- I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I gotta say, cause you know, I just, I, I saw another video last night of, uh, one of the uh, top guys for the uh, Pirates, Mitch Keller, throwing a hundred point nine. When last year he was throwing uh, ninety six, ninety seven. I mean, they got some success, s- successful stuff going on over there.
1: You're not kidding. Mitch, uh, Mitch Keller's video was absurd. They uh, were comparing him favorably with Garrett Cole, and uh, you know that was from one season working with Tread. You know he's made these improvements, and the. Uh, it's. I'm really impressed with the, what they do. They break down the guy's, you know, entire motion, his delivery. Uh, they make some tweaks. They uh, they adjust his pitch mix because uh, they figure out what's working for him. You know, they base it all on the raw numbers. You know, spin rate, um, the velo, and uh, they help them optimize themselves. And Lane Ramsey, you know, we we hadn't gotten to Charlotte yet, but I am, I was always impressed with him and I think that he is going to bust out in a huge way this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, the uh, the, the video that uh, we are referencing, um, if you have not seen it, is of uh, Lane Ramsey, who in in and of himself is impressive. Uh, the guy is massive, um, but uh, he's doing uh, what's called a rocker drill, which is not like a, a full pitching motion. Um, he's kind of already starting like uh, already kind of half spread out, but, uh, he's still throwing and hitting 97, 98 miles an hour on this rocker drill without, uh, getting full momentum. It's pretty impressive. Um, so, uh, another guy that, uh, is somewhat, uh, forgotten about, um, not necessarily forgotten about, but it just hasn't been talked about because he's been out for a while. Uh, Will Wilkin Cannon, have you, uh, heard anything about him, uh, seen anything about what's going on with him?
1: I talk to him pretty regularly and uh, he sounds pumped up, chomping at the bit and ready to go. And, uh, you know, he made a point in saying that he, you know, he could put up zeros when, uh, when he was hurt. He can't wait to see what he can do when he's, when he's healthy. And I like that attitude.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, I I was very impressed with him when I saw him in uh, spring training and uh, said that he uh, got injured.
1: Yeah. I think that he's going to have a good year. Um, It'll be interesting, you know, to see what he can do when he gets to Charlotte, you know, keep the ball on the ground and hope, hopefully keep it from getting knocked out of the park. That that ballpark will either way the pitcher's uh, mental well-being, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of the other guys, Um a friend of the program, uh, El Platino Perez, Andrew Perez, Looking forward to uh, seeing what he can do this year as well I, I, he had a good season last year um, for the Barons and uh, then he was just down in uh, you know playing Dominican ball as well and saw him do some things down there that uh, were pretty good these bullpen guys just keep on coming and keep on coming you know I don't see uh I don't see a shortage of it for the next few years for uh you know they, they're gonna find it's gonna be a fight for the uh, for the 40 man roster to get you know for some of these guys.
1: For sure. And Perez, you know, that's another lefty that throws 96, uh, very good shape. He takes really good care of himself. And he was really stoked after that, uh, uh, you know, that DSL experience this, uh, this winter. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, the Dominican winter league not the DSL, but yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was really stoked about it, you know, being around all the major league experience and getting to face guys that have played, you know, six, eight, 10 years in the big leagues. And, uh, Plus the crowd, you know, being so into the game, sixteen thousand people sound like sixty thousand people, you know, uh, people showing their emotions. I he really, I think he benefited greatly from that experience, and uh, I think he's pumped to get back back at it as well.
0: I can only imagine. Man, I talked to him last year before the before the season started, and he was he was rearing and ready to go. So I can only imagine he's probably, uh, probably took, you know, like a, a week or two off from the, uh, you know, after the, uh, the winter league, but then he's probably just right back at it again and getting ready. Um, so some of the, uh, some of the other guys in, uh, that were in Birmingham, uh, Blake Battenfield, and, uh, Lincoln Hen- Hensman, uh, are you assuming that they're going to still end up in, uh, in Birmingham this year?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, where they end up with Hensman. You know, he's the injury bug has been attacking him ever since he got drafted. So I would imagine that he would be at, uh, at Birmingham and not, not promoted to uh triple a right away. You know, he's had a bad run of luck from an injury standpoint and, uh, Battenfield, um, he's more of an org guy. He is solid org guy, but, uh, I think, uh, Davis Martin is probably the, the, the best prospect that we haven't mentioned. I, I heard a story about, about Davis Martin. You know, the kid can throw hard, but when his confidence was down or when he felt the need to throw a strike, he would, uh, would kind of lob it in there, you know. And he was throwing 88 miles an hour and putting it over the middle to try to get a get-me-over pitch for a strike, and then he would get hit hard. And uh, I was told that one of his coaches uh, – even told them, you know what, we're going to find you five bucks every time you don't throw ninety miles an hour, <laughs> because you know the guy throws hard. But uh, they said, you know, when things are going poorly, he felt the need to get to get me over. He would uh, drop it down to a lower gear and try to get that pitch over and, and get hit. But when he's going well, if you look at his games when he's going well, he's a completely different guy. So yeah, I think really good. with him more than uh, than anything else.
0: Yeah, and you know I. I'm I'm just saying if I was his coach I would not talk about doing anything that might possibly be against his contract because uh the guy went to law school so uh he's li- liable to uh take him to the cleaners if he takes him to court Moving along to uh to Charlotte uh Lane Ramsey I'm I'm all in on him uh, after seeing the uh the videos and he had a really nice stretch uh at the end of last season um I did not get to see him last year because uh, Charlotte was out of town for the uh, the week that I was in North Carolina. So, uh, what did you see when you uh, watched him last year?
1: Well, um, I, I saw him hit ninety nine when I was there. He told me that his bullpens were typically um, typically ninety three, ninety four, and that he felt like when he got on the mound, he'd get a three or four mile an hour uh, bump hmm. when he was in the and getting the you know the adrenaline flowing and i hope that's true because i was seeing 97 at tread and if he can throw 100 or 101 i think we'll be in for something really special with him yeah um he's added a curveball that tread was working on with him hmm. he said that he was uh really excited about the analytics of his curve and his uh and his slider i know last year he was working on a split finger that he was that he could break up against lefties cuz he was in 2019 uh, when he was with K Town the first time through, um, well, his only time through K Town, um, he had a tough time with left handed hitters. If you look at his splits, he absolutely owned righties and, and he got torched by lefties. And he was looking for a, a weapon against them and he decided to work on the split finger. I don't know if he's keeping it in his repertoire, if it's going to be a show me pitch or what. But I mean, we're talking about a big six foot nine kid, you know, uh, all arms and legs coming at you downhill throwing in the upper nineties and now we're talking about, you know, maybe even a four pitch mix. That could be filthy. And he no he doesn't have that uh that six foot nine, uh uncoordinated, uh, you know, have a hard time getting it over the plate thing going against him. He was another kid. He loved basketball and he was uh he was bigger on basketball than he was on baseball. And uh, you know, it helps him with the be athletic and coordinated and repeat his delivery. Yeah. But uh He's got some really impressive uh, analytics going for him. You know his his vertical attack angle when he throws his four seamer. He's his release points uh, five foot eleven, which is coming from down low for a guy that's that big to be at five foot eleven. You know that's what gives it that riding action, mm. and it makes it look like a a riser. And uh, man, I mean, he releases it four inches lower than some guys that are five inches shorter than he is so uh that's it and it's an odd pitch you know analytically uh and the problem with him sometimes was he knew the fastball was really good and i think he got too reliant on it and he even said that he was going to mix in uh you know use his other pitches more frequently rather than leaning on the fastball because you know he's in triple a now and uh, you get a lot of hitters with big league experience they they can hit fastballs. You know, yeah. It doesn't really matter if it's what what the uh, what the velo is. They they can catch up with it. So uh, I think when he starts uh, when he gets confidence in all these secondary pitches and uh, and if especially if Tread gives him that Tread velo bump, I mean we he'd be looking at a really special relief pitcher.
0: Yeah, I you know when you look at him, I mean, and obviously no matter what he does, I mean the guy's super tall, uh, so. He, the one thing he does not look is uncoordinated. Uh, his body looks like he is, uh, in an athletic, uh, strong position when he's pitching. Um, he doesn't like, uh, you know, we've seen, we've all seen those guys that are long and lanky and are all over the place and, uh, seem like they're out of balance. And that is not what I see when I see him pitch.
1: Agreed. And yeah, he loves to work. He's just getting better and better. I've seen him, you know. I, I luckily I've seen him since 2019 in Canapolis, and I've seen you know the confidence grow in him too as well. And I think that part of what Tread has done with these guys, in addition to what they've done mechanically, and you know, adding to their their velo, I think it's also instilled because they show them these raw numbers and they say, "Hey, guess what? You know, you're pitching." Your pitches match up favorably with Garrett Cole. How would that make you feel as a pitcher when they tell you, "Guess what? You got the same RPMs, the same velo, and the same movement as Garrett Cole." Well, then all you got to do is focus on executing on the mound because you don't, you can't really get much better than that, and you can't have a lot of self doubt if they can say, "Hey, you can duplicate a Garrett Cole fastball." I mean, I think it would do wonders for me. So. Yeah. Uh, only <laughs> imagine what it can do for those guys.
0: Yeah, that's money in the bank right there. You got to be pretty happy about that. We also have some more holdovers. Uh, we've got Cade McClure still uh, banging away in Charlotte. Um, also, uh, we have got uh, Tanner Banks is there. Um, a bunch of those guys in Charlotte. Um, who are you looking at uh, that's going to be eating up the uh, you know the spot starts up with the big league club.
1: Well, we still, you know, Jonathan Stever, obviously, um, he oh, had yeah. a bad, pretty significant injury toward the end of the year. It's going to yeah. take some time to get back. Um, but the kid is legit. You know, if people, had, if people in Chicago are looking at Baseball Reference or MILB.com and seeing these bad numbers being put up at Charlotte, they have to understand you can take them with a grain of salt. Um, if you hit the ball in the air in Charlotte, there's a good chance it's going to leave the park. And the uh, groundskeepers do no favors for the pitchers because the uh, infield is like, they, they, uh, they cut it down so low that even if you do your job, get a ground ball, it, you know, it can be 105 miles an hour off the bat and it's going to go whipping right through that infield because it's like a, a pool table the way mm-hmm. they have that put together. Um, it would be nice if they let that grow a little bit and uh, help out the pitchers a little bit, but, um, but it's a tough place to pitch, and like I said, I think it can eat away at a guy's uh, at a guy's mental, um, you know, approach to the game. When you got a guy like Stever, you know, he has legitimate big league stuff, and then he feels the need to be perfect because he knows that if a guy hits the ball, there's a good chance it's going to go out of the park, and even if he puts it on the ground, there's a good chance it's going to get through for a base hit. You know, there's no lead that is safe at the Charlotte Stadium.
0: Um, yeah, I mean obviously uh, we also have uh I wasn't even uh, thinking he's cuz he's on 40 man but uh Jimmy Lambert also going to take spot starts I'm sure. Um uh Tyler Johnson. Um do you have anything uh, have you seen have you been to have you seen him pitch recently cuz I did not uh, see very much last uh last year. Hey.
1: He had that knee surgery, and it, uh, you know, it ruined the, si- the season for him. He was out, and then they they cut him from the forty man. Ah,
0: that's okay. Okay,
1: yep. And then, then they brought him back. Um, he's revamped his whole pitching style. He is returning to um, the college, the college type, uh, his rookie year in Canapolis type release. He's not is he's, he's dropping down lower. It looks like uh, the delivery has changed. I think he wants to go back to you know, kind of what made him a two-time Team USA guy, um, the the guy that dominated every level of the minors until he got to Charlotte and you know had a very shortened injury, injury uh, plague season. So I'm I'm interested to see what he can do, you know, going back to what kind of what got him there again. Yeah, he got a very good, uh, very good makeup. And he takes really good care of his body as well,
0: yeah, I mean, the Twitter video that he put out, uh I think I think it was him that put it out uh, you know, looked fairly impressive, uh, looked like he was bringing some heat, and uh, that motion's nasty. I mean it's going give it's going to give hitters fits, you know, with that kind of velocity and from that angle.
1: This is how good he takes care of his body. You know, he was at the remote site in Schaumburg in uh, 2020. He didn't even go to Portillo's. Not once. I mean, how can you do that? Come on now.
0: <laughs> Although I you know, I have seen a lot of hate on Twitter recently about uh about portillos and it going downhill, but uh, you know I wasn't one of the people saying it. I'm just just simply throwing that out there.
1: Uh um, a North beef sandwich one time and you'll uh, you'll be happy with Portillos.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, if I'm going to North Carolina I'm getting pulled pork barbecue sandwiches. That's that's what I'm getting. Um, I, you know, I have family from North Carolina, so, uh, I kind of went down there a few times when I was younger, got hooked on it. And, uh, that, uh, vinegar, uh, barbecue sauce down there, I can't, I can't, uh, can't hate on it at all. It's definitely my favorite kind of barbecue sauce. So don't at me on Twitter. (laughs) What's that?
1: Texas barbecue guy. I don't, I don't care much for the Carolina barbecue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was never, uh, never, you know, like we, I, I uh, you know, I used to travel a lot for work. Um, and uh, basically, we would go all over the country, uh, all over the world, really. But, uh, you know, we'd go all over the, the country and we would get, uh, you know, everybody'd be like, oh, you've got to go to this place. And so I went to a lot of places. And, you know, of course, it tasted wonderful, but uh, taste of childhood. Uh, North Carolina barbecue is where I'm stuck. So, um, so, uh, do you, who are going to be, uh, if you had to, uh, to pick a guy who is going to be the guy that surprises everybody this year?
1: I think the biggest step forward is going to be, um, for our starters. I think it's gonna be Matthew Thompson as far as, uh, you know, from our, our prep guys. I think he will take the biggest step forward this year. I just, the, the package of athleticism, mental makeup, and raw stuff, plus, you know, he threw the most strikes um, in 20 uh, 2021. I, I think he's just got a lot going for him, and I think that he's going to make the biggest step up from those guys. Um, as far as surprises, I just, I cannot expound how excited I am about, about what Lane Ramsey can do. Um, we haven't even mentioned Anderson Severino, <laughs> you know, yeah, he was ridiculously good at Charlotte last year, you know, uh, me and you had talked about how he was involved in the, you know, the world's oh. worst pitched inning in the history of minor league baseball, that, that fateful night in Birmingham when, uh, they gave up. Was it 13 runs on one hit? Something
0: ridiculous. Did they even give it? Yeah, I think it was one hit, uh, 13 walks. uh, Or was it like 12 walks and 13 runs or something
1: ridiculous like that? It was awful. Yeah, it was a 90-pitch inning, I believe. Um, And I believe Severino pitched 21 pitches and threw three strikes in that that debacle. Um, But, man, when I saw him at Charlotte, he did not – that ballpark didn't phase him. His ERA was very minuscule, and he was bringing it every night. He was bringing it ninety nine, a hundred, consistently. And he's not a big guy. He's I think he's five eleven. Hmm. Um, I did not realize that. Got, and he's got a nasty, uh, nasty slider as well. He looks. I mean, if the command is is ironed out, that is definitely big league stuff, and he could be in Chicago not a problem at all.
0: That one makes a hundred percent sense. I, I completely forgot about him. Absolutely. That guy, that guy was bringing it and he was, like you said, he had some rough outings when he was with the Barons. Um, and, uh, actually, you know, now that I am, uh, thinking about that inning, I want to, uh, also mention that, uh, unfortunately, uh, friend, uh, of our White Sox fandom uh, Alec Hansen retired uh last week voluntarily and uh that was you know I was I was pretty sad cuz I thought that uh towards the last uh quarter of the season there I felt like he was starting to rein his command in a little bit and uh I was sad that he that he uh, decided to hang it up um but uh I understand to go from top 100 prospect in baseball to uh, having all those command issues probably was pretty tough on him. So I get it. Um, Just a bit of a bummer. What are you going to do?
1: He was so good in 2017. He led the minor league. And when you would watch him on the mound, you know, he was a, that's another big, strong kid. I think he's six, eight. And uh, he did not look awkward. He looked like he was able to repeat well then, and he also looked free and easy. It, the vilo was easy. Um, he was not a. He wasn't forcing it. He wasn't a labor uh, laborious delivery. I was really surprised when the wheels fell off and he couldn't get it to return. To you know, he couldn't capture the magic again, and it was really disappointing to see because you know, I, I think of it from my mindset. If I could do something as well as he did it. In twenty seventeen know that I could dominate guys if I could just get the ball in the strike zone, but somehow something I've been doing my whole life has now eluded me it would it would eat away at every ounce of my mental well being i uh, yeah, I agree
0: that's how you know I've seen a bunch of people making fun of him and stuff uh you know on on Twitter and I'm just like that guy's been through it um i i would never slag on that guy. Um, you know, it's like when I heard, you know, when I heard Velo reports coming back at 85 miles an hour, uh, sometimes for him on fastballs, I was just like, Oh wow, what happened? You know? And it's just, you could see the mechanics at the beginning of, you know, well last year, uh, and the beginning of this year, you know, just, he, he did not, it looked like he did not feel comfortable at all. And, uh, I thought he was starting to get it a little bit towards the end there. And, no dice, I guess, so we bid you farewell and mr Hansen
1: he He was striking guys out like crazy, you know he just but he was walking you know two guys an in inning and striking out two guys an in inning, yeah
0: and, you know like another thing you know and, and I did i I chronicled it on uh on uh, Twitter is that that guy yeah. had the worst luck you know is if he had an inning that was going pretty well, something would happen to completely screw it over. You know, like there would be a drop pop-up or, uh you know, a ball off the tip of the catcher's mid or, you know, some kind of error that would just set things in motion and then just like that,
1: it would be out of control. It was a tough watch sometimes. You know what? I saw that a lot in Kanapolis too. Um You know, the, the guys that you want to see succeed, Thompson, Dahlquist, and Kelly, you know, the young guys that you want to see them have something to build on, and they could be cruising along, and uh, all of a sudden, you know that that team made it had a pretty porous defense, and they made a ton of errors. but you know they're they're cruising through an inning, low pitch count. all of a sudden they give up a routine ground ball and a boot, you know, a throw it away into the crowd. The guy's on second base. The next guy hits a little duck snort base hit, and he's giving up a run, you know, and now rather than having something to build on, they they walk off the field, you know, with their head down and they're disappointed about it. Or it could even be, you know, the three two count, you get squeezed by a bad minor league umpire, and you know, then they're they're angry for the next hitter because they know they would have been out of the inning. They give up the long ball, and rather than, you know, it 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 makes the stats look bad, especially knowing that that was the end of the inning and now they're giving up runs and you know that stuff is rough on these guys.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, how many times in Canaplius last year did we see the starter out of the game in the first inning? I mean, and not and not even technically most of the time were they even terrible outings. You know, it's just there was probably like I can think of like three or four Kelly starts, you know, where just errors uh just balls falling in, you know, you know in the in the gap just uh bad routes taken, you know, I mean just all sorts of like anything you could think of last year in Canapolis that could uh derail uh, a young guy trying to get his footing pretty much happened. It was uh it was tough.
1: Well, and they also developmentally they have a 30 pitch uh limit. Yeah. yeah. For those guys. So, um you know, you're rolling along but you're kind of walking a tightrope to get out of the inning and before you know it one guy hangs around a little bit long. You work a deep count, and then you get to that thirty pitches, and they pull you, you know, from for health reasons. They don't want to burn you out in low yeah. leverage minor league innings, so they take you out of the game. And I know that that happened a lot. You know, a guy throws thirty pitches, and he wouldn't come back out.
0: Yep, I, I was talking to uh, Danny on uh, on Monday about that actually, uh, about this exact thing. Uh, just the, the fact that you would see, you know, like you'd have a, a guy that would go deep in account. And ends up striking out. The next guy goes deep in the count, walks. The next guy comes up, goes, you know, four or five pitches, then hits a duck snort, you know. And then by the time you look at that, you know, you're at, like, 23 pitches. And, you know, you've got one out. You know, so it's like – and obviously, like you said, the uh, the 30-pitch limit that they put on these guys, it's like half the time, you know – Last year, at least, it 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 felt like to me. It felt like half those, you know, like half the the prep guys' starts ended like that. You know, like either in the first or the or the second inning. You know, it's like there was like hardly ever where there extended pitching outings <laughs> last year in Canapolis.
1: So yeah, that's, that's for sure. They're trying to preserve those arms and uh, let them develop, and then hopefully, you know. We- use those pitches and high leverage big league innings instead of having them get TJ when they're down in a ball. Yeah. Um, It's got
0: a uh, message in the chat. White Sox premium K. Hey, Dan, big fan of your work. So uh, they're out here saying hello. Um, Thanks.
1: Very, very appreciate it. uh,
0: What, what do you think uh, about the robo ump coming to Charlotte?
1: I talked to Lane Ramsey a little bit about that. Um, and I read read a little bit about it in the Atlantic League. The technology would fail frequently, and then they would have to switch over to, you know, the human umpires. And I like the idea, if it works, um, I would much rather have a consistent strike zone and not have the room to debate, you know, over balls and strikes. But uh, somebody told me that they thought... They had heard the breaking stuff wasn't always always calibrated properly. Uh, if something had a lot of late movement, it might be called a ball when it was a strike. And if the technology works, I'm all in favor.
0: Yeah, the thing but. I heard about that was that uh, the breaking balls. Um, I can't remember if it was uh, the way that the the calibration was set that either the ball was uh, too like. The it was being called a strike either too far forward in the zone or too far back in the zone, uh, where the uh, the you know, the lenses or whatever was catching it and calling it a strike. Um, yeah, I think that the uh, this whole thing is going to um, succeed or fail 100% on the calibration and integration of the you know, of adjustments because if the, if this if they can't figure out how to calibrate it properly the it's going it, to there's no way it can work
1: exactly i'll get uh, a report firsthand from the guys this year and i'll, I'll let yeah. you know what they they come up with what what they're finding is from the pitchers ma
0: yeah, I'll be down there. I uh, was talking to uh, talking to the wife, and I think I'm going to take myself a business trip and uh, go down there for the uh, first week there, and I'm going to try and hit all three of the parks down there and uh, go and see some uh, White Sox minor league baseball.
1: Uh, so um that made company credit card uh, drinks on. Ian.
0: Yeah, something, something like that. Uh so I got a question in here. It says who is the best undercover pitching and position prospect for the Sox? Prospects that are not well known.
1: I talked to I talk about this a lot and the thing is I feel like I feel so aware of most of them that I don't think of anybody as under the radar. Yeah. But you know as far as position player I'm really impressed with the video I saw of Chase Krogman's new swing. Um, he's got some pretty prodigious raw power, and he's not a huge kid. Uh, he's very athletic. He was a two-way uh, high school player that could could bring it from the mound and, and also hit hit extremely well. And what's weird is if you look at the way the minors works, um, the guys tend to be friendly really friendly and close with the guys that were drafted with them, you know, because they go through the ranks together, so it's just natural that they're around each other more, but uh, Krogeman was getting, like, rave reviews from Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger and, you know, these are big league guys, and he was at A-ball. So, uh, I think now that he's revamped the swing, and Lord knows he struggled mightily last year. He hit some homers, but he had a huge K-rate. I think it was, I want to say 41% which is just off the charts high. Um, And it tore into his confidence. But he came on strong at the end of the year, and I think it was a mental hurdle for him to get to 200 to finish the season. He went on a hot streak for the last 10 to 12 games, hit a couple homers, and I think he hit about 370-ish for that little streak to finish the uh, the season. And then when he went to uh, fall instructs, he hit a homer off Mackenzie Gore, which is, you know, that's a nice thing to put on the resume. Yeah,
0: Feathering the and, cap, uh,
1: and then he's, you know, he's working with some some higher level minor league guys at home, and uh, the swing looks good. I think that he's going to have a big breakout year as a position player.
0: Yeah, that his swing looks uh, markedly different, and it looks good, uh, and he's putting a charge in it. I mean, and the. If he you know, if he fixes the swing, that that could be a vehicle shooting through the system because I mean last year I saw him hit uh what those uh what are they like uh those big tops out in center field in Canapolis. I mean the guy's got ridiculous power. So if the, he could harness it
1: and-, and the wing looks great. He's keeping the uh the bat in the zone for a long time, he's quick to the ball. He got rid of the, the leg kick, and there's nothing wrong with the leg kick as long as he's got that foot down in time and, you know, and he, he can stay on time. But with getting rid of that, I think it gives him more time to react to breaking ball. so I think that's going to help him uh, minimize the – well, lessen the K rate to a more palatable number. I think he's going to have a big breakout year. I think uh, Tyler O'Sick is going to have a great year with the bat. Mind you, he's old for the level. Uh, you know, Those guys aren't thought of as prospects, but I think – He'll be fun to watch, and and you know, uh, I don't ever want to rule out anybody as a potential viable big leaguer. You know, you're going to go as far as uh, as far as your skill lets you get, and I think that uh, you know they can't control how old they are at a level, they can't control when the White Sox promote them. All they can do is put their best effort on the on the field and, and let you know the cards fall where they may. I think that Osic has a extremely. Uh, underappreciated bat. I want to see him, uh, come back with a vengeance and put up some numbers and, and move up the double a and, and see how that goes with him. As far as, uh, you know, we were talking about the unheralded pitcher. No one has ever uh, really touted lane, uh, as far as, you know, I, I can't tout him enough and what he's done at tread amazes me. And I think that he has great potential and, uh, Of course, there's our guy, Sean Burke, you know, but he's a, he's a heralded guy, but he's the whole, he's the whole package. And I think that he's going to be impressive this year when he gets to Winston-Salem.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, like the, the issue is that, uh, you know, when, when we start talking about guys who are unknown, um, and we pay attention to. 90% of them Uh, unknown to us is a little bit different, but I mean, you know, the the question comes from somebody who's, you know, knows a little bit about the, uh, the minor league system as well. So um, whatever happened to Bryce Bush injuries, question mark. Uh,
1: Yes, definitely injuries. Uh, He's had a a bad run of luck with the health and I I keep in, in touch with his father pretty frequently. I haven't talked to him in a while. Last time I talked to him was right around Thanksgiving, and he told me that price uh, that was looking good and all systems were go, and I would like to see that happen because uh, that kid can put a charge into a baseball. He can generate some high exit velos. He has a, a swing that's more geared for power than it is for, for batting average, but uh, he's also just a naturally athletic kid. He's got some good uh, speed once he's underway. He's got a strong throwing arm. You know, they converted him from third base in the right field, and he looked like he played outfield his whole life when when they moved him over. Um, I'd like to see him come back with a vengeance so we can start talking about him again. But I have, you know, there's not a lot to say about what we've seen because we haven't seen much. Yeah.
0: I think uh, probably two guys uh, on the positional front that I'm really, really excited about seeing a full season out of is uh, – Hackenberg and uh, Terrell Tatum uh, who were both drafted last year um, seemed to me you know both of them made it through uh, made it through the Arizona Complex League and both got promoted uh, Hackenberg went to canny and then Tatum got sent to Winston-Salem and uh, neither one of them seemed phased in the least bit and both of them hit the ball and both of them played defense and uh, I'm Stoked to see what a full season of that could look like. Um, it'd be nice to have some outfield depth, uh, you know, something that this organization has been uh, severely lacking for far too long. So I'm hoping that uh, see Terrell Tatum do something this year. He's great at NC State, so it'd be nice to see. Did you see him at all last year?
1: Didn't see him because he skipped over Canapolis and It's more of a a concentrated effort for me to get the hour and a half to Winston when Kannapolis is closer for me. Yeah. And he wasn't up very long there, so I I did not get to see him. But I did see Hackenberg, and he was the best defensive catcher in the system last year. Um, He's got a cannon, and uh, the pitchers like working with him. I've heard good reports from the pitchers. And he wasn't known for his... Offensive prowess, but he he swung it really well in Canapolis. So I'd like to see what he does when he moves up as well. Like you said, great arm.
0: Um, seemed like he handled. You know, I didn't talk to the uh, to the pitchers, but I mean, it looked like he handled the the staff pretty well. And uh, to me, it looked like as soon as he got there, it was kind of almost like there was a uh, you know a field general that was uh, kind of steering everybody in the right direction. And I think it also helped having uh Gusenberg at second, you know, that he was uh, pretty consistent. Well, he, he played, played really well as uh, also. Um, so uh, in the chat, we got many like myself feel that while not great, the sock system is much better than 30th ranked. Do you feel that as bad as all the publications say
1: that, you know, I, I talked about this a lot today on, on Twitter, I don't think they're 30th. They're near the bottom. But when you think about all the key pieces that they've churned out and turned over to the big league club, we're talking about not just depth pieces, but we're talking about, you know, core pieces. They had Luis Robert. They had Eloy Jimenez. They had Nick Madrigal. um, You know, they had Kopech, Giolito. They just pumped out, like, we're talking all-star caliber players for the last couple seasons. So they're, you know... They're taking a deep breath and and starting over as all these guys have moved up. Um, And unfortunately, the guys, you know, the the heralded draft picks that were taken in the last couple of drafts, you know, Vaughn, you know, went straight to the, almost practically straight to the big leagues. So he's not a top 100 prospect. So that goes against your organizational ranking because we don't have a top 100 guy, but, you know, he could be like Tarkelson and and be at Double A, or he can be contributing in the big league club and. Of course, as a fan, we'd all rather see him hitting home runs at you know, thirty fifth and Shields than we'd like to see him hitting homers at Truist Ballpark in Charlotte.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with that. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know, as as much as uh, White Sox fans hate on Keith Law for uh, being a quote unquote White Sox hater. Thought that he was uh, that he was pretty fair in his assessment when he looked at the uh, the top 30 farm systems and he said that they that they were 30th for the right reasons and if you look at uh, you know I, I, if you subscribe to the athletic and you saw his uh, his his uh, breakdown of the system I thought he was pretty fair um, I think I think that the the issue with the white sox system from outside views is is that they don't have those uh, Marcelo Meyer guys, you know, the, the Jack lighters that they just don't have that in their farm system anymore. You know, I mean, you have some guys that could possibly have that kind of talent, but it's, you know, one of those things that uh, they have to flash and they have to get results in order to be looked at in that, uh, in that regard.
1: For sure. And we, we have some guys that are coming through that I think are going to drastically change that, They have the potential to drastically change that quickly. I don't know that we were 30th, but I would say that we were probably, you know, definitely in the bottom four or five teams in in the major leagues right now. Um, But I think, I think Popeye Rodriguez is horribly unheralded given how talented he is. That guy can, he can really hit. Um, When he got to Canapolis, I was initially kind of worried. A lot of times, uh, guys have a c-ball hit ball approach and you know it's great in dsl it's great in the lower levels of the minors but as pitchers start figuring out you know their heat map they they know where they can go to them they they tend to uh work their way into pitchers counts rather than hitters counts and they can't exploit the pitcher by working them into that you know he's got to throw me a fastball to get it over and and then i'm gonna you know give it a ride but uh man he got better with every step all year long and he's not a huge guy but he's got power to all fields you know and it's not just he's not just gap to gap he can he can take it out of the ballpark popo the kid can just hit he can flat out hit and i think that he could be a top 100 guy um his defensives he has some defensive struggles it's not because uh, he's not a butcher he he's he's a twitchy athletic kid but i uh, i think sometimes he would make you know a good play a diving stop and then not take his time and you know react quickly and and throw the ball away that kind of thing, but I, I really like his potential to be a top 100 guy. you know we have Montgomery and Cap, which were very highly regarded. Um, we got we got Sean Burke, we got Tanner McDougall, um, Thompson Dawquist and Kelly, and then you know Yoelki. And uh, Oscar Colas and Norge Vera, Th- these guys all have potential to m- move dramatically up the list. I think a lot of times, too, you know, we might ding Yoelki because, well, he was older and he's coming over and he's playing at the low level and he's not hitting 350 with 25 bombs. But remember this guy, uh, first, COVID, you know, that season stopped everybody from playing ball. Um, Everybody got a year older and nobody really got a lot better. Then he comes over here, you know, he's adjusting to a culture, not just he's got a baseball culture. You know, he's switching from a a light schedule, comparatively speaking, to, you know, playing every day for for eight months and uh, trying to learn English, trying to adapt to a new culture. You know, he's got a bunch of teammates that, you know, are speaking English. It's they got more than just what's on the field to worry about. And uh, I'll give those guys a, a mulligan and a learning curve kind of thing for their first year stateside. And I think you'll get a better idea of what you have with Yoelki this year when, you know, now that he's had a chance to, to see what he has to do, I think you're going to get a better representation of what he really is.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I my my one knock on uh, Uelke last year was that uh, I mean his strikeout rate was a little bit higher and his walk rate was a little low. But, um, and you know, obviously he did hit a lot of ground balls as well. My, my, I guess my main thing was is that you know when he went to when he went to Birmingham, it was like just the power got sapped. You know, like that was that was the one thing that uh, that I dinged him for. Um, not necessarily saying that he's not going to be able to do that or that uh, that he's not good. I just kind of, you know, when people mention, you know, oh, well, we got Yoke, he'll play right field next year. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not happening. Uh, it could happen later on in the year if he finally feels comfortable and he starts hitting again. But, uh, you know, from what we saw in Birmingham, unless he steps up and uh, starts, you know, Knocking the ball around a little more, it's he's going to be sitting in the uh, the minors for a little while until he uh, starts picking that stuff back up. Um, so chat says, uh, yeah, guys like Rodriguez, Cespedes, Sanchez, Colas, etc. I think they can make the system top twenty-five. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, I don't see why they couldn't be in the top twenty-five. Although the, I'd say that the reason why I'd say that they're not now is because you haven't seen those results yet. And and the guys that are that you know these guys that you are mentioning uh, in Cespedes and uh, Colas and Sanchez, they're older. They're not those young guys that get those you know that get those system rankings to start jacking up. You know, it seems like uh, that's what those guys do.
1: Even with Colas, you know, even with Colos, you know, he's a little bit older than he's not a seventeen-year-old Dominican kid with you know five tools. That just uh, you know takes batting practice, hits bombs, runs a ridiculously fast forty, and you know has an arm for days. You know he's a twenty-three-year-old kid, and when you see him in a ball, and if he doesn't tear it up, you know people are going to be disappointed. Whereas uh, they're much more accepting when they'll see Christian Vaccaro, uh, you know, or Roderick Arias, you know, coming to a ball. But I mean, look what look what the uh, Yankees and how much they had hyped. Uh, Jason Dominguez, okay, the Yankees he was, prospects. He was Mike Trout, he was Mike Trout two point oh before he ever swung at a pitch in organized baseball, and now you know you see what prospect hounds and you know the Twitter mob is doing to him and saying that he's a bust already, and he's still a teenage kid.
0: I was going to, br- I was totally ready to bring him up because, uh, it's it, yeah, exactly that. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the. uh you know, they're like, they're calling the kid, you know, basically Mike Trout and the best baseball player that they've ever seen. And look at this body and all that stuff. And then he comes out last year and he didn't really, uh, I mean, he did okay, you know, but I mean, it was for what it was supposed to be is definitely be looked at as a disappointment from anybody. And, uh, it's kind of one of those things where I kind of expect that out of Yankees prospects. I expect them to be way overhyped and I expect them to underperform to any of those expectations.
1: Well, if you listen to the company line, you know, every every organization touts their guys. You can only take what the GM or the, uh, you know, minor league director of player development tells you. with. You have to take it with a grain of salt because they're marketing their guys. Because one day, you know, if they're looking for a, a trade piece and they're trying to make a push to get in the playoffs, you know, they want somebody knocking on the door, on the door asking about their guys. And if you give too realistic of an assessment, you know, and are too honest, you know, that might, might knock a guy down a peg or two. So uh, you have to take everything with a grain of salt that you hear internally. And the Yankees are notoriously a a hype machine for their guys.
0: Yeah. The, uh, I actually, you know, I've gotten into it uh, with somebody that's not even, he's just a guy that follows prospects. I was like, you have no idea what Jason Dominguez is going to do. And this was before last year. And he's like, what do you, you know, I was like, just because he's, you know, one of the top prospects, like, doesn't mean that he's going to be a stud in major league baseball. It just doesn't. I mean, Mark Appel, you know I mean? There's just, there are so many instances of guys that were top 10 players that just never went on to do anything. You know, it happens.
1: Did you see that, that uh, Jason Dominguez, our rookie card that one of one went for, four hundred and something thousand dollars the other day
0: oh this was recently because i know that one a while back went for like ridiculous money as well
1: i hope that person doesn't need four hundred and something thousand dollars
0: (sighs) yeah well apparently they had that kind of money to blow on a baseball card Uh, and if you got that kind of money it really doesn't matter what any of us think so uh uh, speaking of Red Sox, uh, as mentioned, uh, Red Sox and Mets prospect to a lesser extent, extent but did you see uh, Yolmer sign with the uh, Red Sox? Good old Yolmer Sanchez. Oh, no, really? Yeah, just changing the color of his socks, I guess.
1: Man, I'll tell you what, it's... If- if you're a really good defender, you can uh, you can kick it around for a while. People, yeah. you know, teams need that. Sometimes it's just that one piece, that one element of that piece that they need to push them over the top. And those guys are always, you know, good org guys too. So just yeah. like catchers.
0: Catchers yeah, pretty have much. Longevity. Gordon did that. Gordon? I don't know who Gordon is. Oh, Gordon Beckham. Yeah, Gordon Beckham, if that's who you're talking about. Yeah, he totally did that. He Decent, uh, decent defensive player other than that one time where he tripped in the infield and looked like a complete baboon. (laughs) Anywho, uh, well, I think that, uh, that's, that's good. Uh, we'll call it there. Uh, Dan, uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on tonight. It's fun.
1: All right, man. I really appreciate talking to you. I love talking about the White Sox, love talking about the minor leagues. Um, you know, those guys are, are true warriors. They're not, they're not compensated like big leaguers and, uh, I'd like to uh trumpet their virtues and and help build the hype for these kids because they they definitely entertain me all year long yeah
0: me me as well i mean i I watch so much minor league baseball so I mean I you know like I'm telling my wife and she's like, yeah yeah whatever you know i'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about some you know guy playing for the cannonballers, and she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but you know it's what we do and uh i yeah thanks for coming on I had a great time um Thanks for everybody uh, coming in and uh, taking a listen. And um, this will be available in podcast form. Uh, it will be everywhere that you normally get your podcasts uh, at daily white Sox on Twitter. And uh, you can follow Dan at slide Dan 70 on Twitter. Uh, tell us about uh, where we can find uh, your pieces other than white socks, com.
1: Uh, I also write for prospects 1500 and uh Definitely. My inbox is always open on Twitter and I love to engage in intelligent conversation about the white Sox and baseball in general. So, uh, anybody follows me and also just shoot me a message. If you want me to follow back, I'm not a Twitter snob at all. So, uh, I love to talk and, uh, and prefer to talk about the white Sox. So please follow me there too.
0: All right then. Well, uh, again, thank you. And, uh, We will be back on Monday night for the regularly scheduled White Sox Daily Live. Uh, And uh, thanks for taking a listen, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Have a good night.